Jesus' crucifixion, and this is after his resurrection. So we need to understand that as well, too. Starting with verse 13, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Everything that you read about here is very deliberate. Understand that. He was not, they were not able to recognize him because Jesus put up some sort of a block or a film or whatever it was to not recognize who was walking with him. And he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. All right, we'll stop there. Now let's go to the, back to the handout. It says in Luke chapter 24, verses 14 through 19, what were they discussing? The price of fishing nets? Everything that had happened the last few days? How much they needed new sandals? The next Roman election. What's the correct answer? B. B. The correct answer is the second bullet point. Pardon me. Everything that had happened the last few days. All those other answers technically probably could be correct, but in this context, the correct answer is everything that had happened the last few days. What had happened that they were referring to? Now let's look at this. In the midst of their conversation about Christ's crucifixion, Christ himself approached. The Greek word in verses 14 through 19 for approaches is egizo, egizo, E-G-G-I-Z-O, meaning to draw or come near to to approach. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one who draws near to us. Don't forever forget that. Even when we are uncertain about what's going on, Jesus is the one who comes near to us. Even though he's always, he's omnipresent, remember we've said these things, we're reinforcing this information once again, And again, this is information for you when you are discipling someone. Jesus is the one who's coming to us. Jesus is the one who is approaching us. Jesus is the one who seeks us out. And sometimes it's just as simple for us as acknowledging that he's seeking us out. When we really start to feel and recognize his very presence. That's really what we need to understand. He is always seeking us out. He is always coming to us. He is always drawing near to us. Jesus interrupts their conversation and asks what they're talking about. 
Note that it's always a good idea to be interrupted by God's presence. Now that's Jennifer Rothschild's note, and you know what? That's absolutely true. Sometimes it's a good thing when God interrupts us, gets into our business, gets into our situations, our circumstances. He intervenes with us. Understand that's very important too. He will interrupt us. He will get in there and do what needs to be done. Because why Why is that? Because he cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He understands what you're going through. As a child of God, you have an unbelievable advantage. As a child of God, you have the Spirit who dwells within you. You have that ability to recognize his very presence. And sometimes he will intervene. Cleopas can't believe this stranger doesn't know, so he begins to describe who Jesus is and what he had done. How does Cleopas describe Christ in 2419b? Well, what does he say? He says in 2019b, he says, A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Well, by all appearances, that's exactly who he was. You have to understand that they have not made that connection yet that he is God in the flesh. They only go by what they see. If you were alive at that time, you'd be saying the exact same thing. He is human, a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. So they recognize he had a connection with God. Let's start with that. He truly was a person who was acting on behalf of God, doing all the work and miracles of God, powerful in word, powerful in deed. What were the deeds? All the miracles that he performed. All the healings that took place. Remember, we are a people that has to see sometimes physical action take place. God's healing power is a very powerful message for us to show that he makes a difference in our lives. I don't care what Cleveland Clinic does or university hospitals do. That healing that takes place is coming through God, working through those vessels to get that done. Amen? I mean, we have to, let's look at it for what it really is. Because you know as well as I do, and we've had this conversation before in this class, healing is not always a given. It's not 100%. We don't understand why, but we understand that that's just the way it is. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. But praise the Lord when it does. Okay. The disciples described Jesus as a prophet, powerful in word and deed, but their conversation also revealed that they didn't expect a resurrected Lord. That's where, again, there were a lot of people there, even though Jesus said he was coming back. He kind of said it in code. It wasn't clear, but he did say it, that he would return. He was going to come back. But a lot of people say, well, how is that going to happen? How is that really going to take place? How is he going to make himself known? How is he going to see himself? 
So there's still some questions that are being answered in the midst of all of this. Over on page two of your handout. I can't imagine, this is me, I can't imagine that anyone who spent time with Jesus could even begin to conceptualize the resurrection. And just based upon what we know in Scripture, if we're looking at it from a timeline, how could you? It's never happened before. Based upon our knowledge of birth, life, and death, it had never taken place before. The only thing that we saw, if we were anywhere near that crowd, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha about Lazarus, was that he was able to be resurrected from the dead, taken you know, and made alive again. But that's the only information we have, and even that, we can't even process that. How in the world did that happen, other than God himself doing it? But what does that mean? Can a person now, can Jesus, who died... Bring himself back. See, this is the thing we have to look at. Okay. If Jesus were to draw near while you and your friend were talking, what would he be likely to hear? I'm skipping something here too. Go back. I apologize. Go back before that. Remember Martha's comments in Lesson 12? Go back to John 11, 17 through 27. Just do a quick switch back to that. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. John 11, verses 17 through 27. This is a reminder of what we already looked at. Again, because what we were saying was true, people still didn't quite know what to make of Jesus. They knew that he was a man of God. They knew he was a prophet. They knew he was, like, they, like we just read, mighty in word and deed. But after that, it's like, what comes next? Where is this going? Look what, again, about the conversation. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and, Mary at, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. One thing we know for a fact, Lazarus had died at that point. He was dead. There was no mistake about that. And understand something, that Jesus allowed this for the purpose of what would be coming next. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Once again, a prophet who had this connection with God, that whatever he would be able to get or ask for, that God would grant it. Her faith in this area was strong. She's only going by her faith, though, from a human perspective. That's right, his presence, exactly. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
Not the resurrection we're talking about here, the resurrection as in what happens after we leave here, this place, and the coming time appointed by God. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. We've got greater understanding that's taking place, but we still have to connect the dots a little bit more. It's pretty important to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But even that doesn't make him God. Do you get it? It still means there's a connection with God and he was brought from God, but it doesn't equate him as being the ultimate deity. You have to understand there are a lot of practices or religions that don't elevate Jesus to being God as part of the Trinity that we speak of. So we need to understand that there is a greater teaching that is taking place through this whole study. We know that he is God. We know that he was there from the very beginning. We know that he is part of the Godhead. But we need to understand that as we go through this, this is understanding that has to be taught to everyone. Okay. So we understand the context now about this resurrection. The resurrection that Martha is speaking about is not the resurrection about Jesus. It's the resurrection of all of us based upon promises that Jesus had made. But that's just conversation. You see what I'm saying? Those are promises that are made, but they at that time did not know, other than just having faith, what was being said. I'm not trying to make this more complicated than what it is. But I'm trying to give you perspective. And this is why a lot of people are confused about who Jesus Christ is. Some of this teaching is not being done. Some of these things are not being expressed. Sometimes when we look at passages like this, we, have to, we, just don't, we don't always understand what's being said, but we won't ask questions sometimes. Okay. If Jesus were to draw near while you and your friend were talking, what would he be likely to hear? This is kind of an offshoot now. If, you, if Jesus were to show up, just like he did with the gentleman over in Emmaus, what would he likely be likely to hear? A spiritual conversation? Gossip? Talk of shopping? Talk about family, discussion of my wants, Bullwinkle talking to Rocky about watching him pull a rabbit out of a hat, the latest episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, or other. Now, that's not meant to be a trick question. All of the above. Okay. I talk to people all day long. Yeah. Any one of these could be yeah. what's happening at that moment. Yes. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm gossiping with them. Yes. But am I adding their listen? Absolutely. Yeah. Am I listening to them talk about the 
chicken? Oh, no. Yes. That's right. Okay, that's fine. And that's great because that's being honest. Because we realistically do not have spiritual conversations with everyone. We would love it if Jesus did walk up on us and we were having a spiritual conversation. But what it reminds us of is that, you know, just be a human being. Just be who you are. If you are a lover of Jesus Christ, that's going to come out. It's going to show other people those things. Yeah, you may very well be talking about, you know, Bullwinkle and Rocky. For all I know, that's fine if you want to do that. I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> she's just listening. But, but anyway, but the bottom line is that these are all things that we don't want to necessarily say these are problems that you're talking about these other things. Let's put it this way. If you're talking about the Kardashians more than you're talking about Christ... That is an issue. Let's look at it for what it is. Because that's not dealing with reality, even though it's called a reality TV show. It's not dealing with reality when it comes to your life and your witness and your ministry to other people. Pardon me? (laughs) It is an opening... Tell the scriptural truth about it. Yeah. Who is Bullwinkle? I'm not. I'm not going to dignify that question with a response. No, whatever. Yeah. Um. So, but I, it, it gets you thinking, though. These these points that are being made get you thinking. Yes, they can be opportunities for discussion, but the caution in this is just making sure that it's not the predominant part of your life when it comes to discussion. Certainly, you draw people back and have a spiritual conversation when the time comes. When the Spirit leads, you should be ready to fire away and have those spiritual conversations. That's the key. The Spirit has to lead. The Spirit has to give you the indications to do that. But we need to make sure that the conversations do lead back to Jesus Christ after all is said and done. Yes. Right. Listen. Yeah. Well, like, there have been times when I, I, that should be part of your process. Let's. Amen. Does everybody agree with what Faith just said? When, when you're conversate, when you're talking to somebody about just stuff, and you know that person needs the Lord, you know that person needs something. You should be having a conversation in your mind about Lord. What is there anything for me to say here? While you're listening, you know, you can do more than two things at one time. You can listen, 
and still pray about guidance. And there have been times I've actually prayed for that and, and God just says, just don't say anything, just listen. And that's true. Just don't, because it's not the time. He knows the timing of how you are supposed to respond and speak when it comes to things. And sometimes I'll tell you, no, not right now. You had your hand up. Um, Yep. Well, that, what that does, and, for, and we've all been there, by the way. We, we, you are not the only one who has felt like, boy, I blew that one. Because you know when you blow it because the Spirit tells you. But ultimately what it comes down to, down to is it reminds you of what? How much we rely upon Him. We, we are very reliant upon Him to be able to communicate the Gospel to other people because of our fleshly nature we are very reliant upon Him. We have to be reliant upon Him. He is the one who gets people saved. We don't. All we're doing is communicating a message. But we rely upon Him to communicate that message. That's a reminder for us when we blow it and we say, boy, we missed an opportunity. We should be much more prayerful about the next opportunity that comes about. It's not the end of the world. Because we've got to understand that God is much more powerful and has much more ability. So even though we may make a mistake and we don't do that, it doesn't mean that there won't be other people that he doesn't use, does or doesn't use in those situations to reach that person. Trust me, that's something that we need to not get beat ourselves up about. It's just a reminder, circle back, be more prayerful, be ready, strengthen yourself, strengthen yourself in the word. And sometimes just relax. Just be who you are. God doesn't want you to be somebody different than who you are. He made you specifically to be the person you are today. With your personality, with your talent, with your gifts, just be who you are. Don't overthink it. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Don't forget Bullwinkle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do need to be talking spiritual things. That is a focus and a reminder here. That's very true. The gossip thing, number two, what does the Bible say about gossip? It's a sin. Yeah, you may hear gossip, but you don't participate in gossip. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's your personality coming out. That's who you are. Yeah. There will always be stuff. We need to understand that sometimes we just don't want to jump in to those conversations that are not necessarily edifying Jesus. 
taking is about. Right. But I've had people come in my house want to sell me insurance, lay hands on me. Didn't sell me no insurance, but I'm going to board it. Okay. Lay hands on me. Okay. 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 Mm -mm. She was gripping you. She had that. She had that. That kung fu grip. Okay. Listen, that's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> yes. That's right. She's serious. Okay. All right. So with all of that, great discussion, by the way. What does your conversation reveal about your expectation of God's presence? Does the nature of your talk reveal an awareness God is with you? That's what... Understand something. Talk about whatever you want, but give that impression, that aura, that sense that God is with you. That's very important. That's what we need to convey. When we're discipling people, I would hope that people could see God coming out of you. If you're discipling somebody, if they can't see that, we have a problem, don't we? Because now we're just having words and, and worldly behaviors coming out and not really seeing God's presence, not you seeing you living in a Christ-like manner. They should see a Christ-like manner. Whether they agree with it or not, that's what they should see. This will be a good copy, uh, topic of conversation between you and your Bible study group members the next time you get together. If you guys are in a Bible study, talk about the expectation of God's presence when you're discipling other people. We need to make sure that we are doing that. And it may be a series of conversations. It may not be one conversation. It may be a series of conversations. If you're discipling somebody, there has to be more than one conversation. It's not just going to be one conversation. It's going to be a number of conversations. If you're actually taking the time to talk to somebody about Jesus, it's going to be more than one. Yes. Yes. Okay. But God knows All right. That's right. Very good. 
That's outstanding. Yes. Sure. Hey, we're all learning, aren't we? Sometimes, the, sometimes we have to learn what the proper response is. It may not be necessarily always answering questions about something, but it may be just putting it to prayer. We're learning these things. We as a people have to be prayerful people at all times. If it says pray, the verse says pray without ceasing. Uh, pray without end. You just keep praying because that's who we have to be as people. Praying for those opportunities. Praying for those people we know who don't know the Lord. And yes, God is a God of appointment. He will appoint people. He'll bring people to you. He'll, he'll... If he's an omnipresent God, as we've been saying, of course he knows all about those people within our circle of influence. I always use, I've used that term before, circle of influence. That's a, that's a communication term, by the way, too. Circle of influence is all the people that you know that you come in contact with, whether they're close friends, extended friends, uh, uh, extended family, up to all the people you come into contact with in this large circle for whatever reason. Sometimes people come in the circle, sometimes they come back out of the circle. But the point is, is that's a circle of influence that you have when it comes to talking about Jesus Christ. Every one of us in this room has a circle of influence. Every one of us has that. Be mindful of that. Be mindful of that. Be ready to speak about Christ when called upon. That's your circle of influence. Those of you who work at the daycare, you have a circle of influence. These are people you don't know very well, but you come in contact with them at all on a regular basis. People in your workplace that you work with, that's a circle of influence. They're not best buddies, but you still come in contact with them. Yes, Debbie. I got another example this week. My street is torn up. Yes. My street looks like Rowdy. Y'all remember Rowdy? Yes. And so I said, God, why is this happening? Our street is horrible. Well, you know, it's bringing our, like, our little community all together. Yep. And my neighbor, other neighborhood, right across the street, you know, I mean, they know who I am. They know I'm a Christian and so forth, you know. And so <coughs> the first one got this letter. She went all up and down to trying to figure out how we were going to do it. Yep. Absolutely. Very important. We all have a circle of influence. We all have people that we come in contact with. Yeah. Okay. Amen. That's what it's all about. I see. We all did. <laughs> we all did. Do you expect him? He is Emmanuel, 
God with us. The disciples didn't expect Christ, that's for sure. But the stranger began to astonish them with his teaching. Now we're right here on the, we're on the, uh, we've got about a couple of minutes, believe it or not. I'm looking at this thing here, but let's, let's go ahead and do this. Go to Luke 24. That's all right. Luke 24. I hear that it worked now, too. The guy sits across from me, pings his phone, too. So I was like, yeah, it's normal. Yeah, I understand. Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. What did Jesus do before he taught them? Look at Luke 24, verses 25 to 27. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What kind of a conversation had that, did that have to be? That had to be amazing. But he admonished them in the first couple of verses. He admonished them. It's rough, but he rebuked them for their unbelief. Now understand something. All of us have been there, and then some, when it comes to unbelief. Amen? Amen? If we're being honest, we all have had bouts of unbelief. Bouts of doubt. Bouts of just not getting it. Not getting it. You know, the whole thing about, you know, the honest comment that Larry made about missing an opportunity, that's rooted in unbelief. There's a lack of faith that's taking place because if the Spirit is pointing out to you a missed opportunity, that means that you weren't trusting what you were reckoning with. So we're talking about dealing with this fleshly body, this situation, the world that we live in, we are inundated with things that are supposed to question us, have us question what we're really doing. That's what we're dealing with because we're in Satan's domain. Satan is trying to get you off your game and keep you off your game. And the only way we can, that's why I said we have to rely upon Jesus because if we don't rely upon him, we will be off our game. No question. We will be ineffective in Christ. All this talk about prayer and stuff like that, you know, a lot of people just say stuff, but they don't really mean it. Sometimes people will say things when they come into a church building, thinking it's appropriate to say those things around other people who are churchgoers, but they're lying to themselves. Because there's just not an active practice of their faith. There was a study that I did about reading a book where some people just go to church just for the fellowship. They just go because it's like a club. It has nothing to do with really practicing their faith. And that still happens today. We have very, very few people who are really hot and heavy into the Word. A lot of folks who go to church but don't know squat when it comes to the word. And I'm serious about that. 
I'm serious. They don't know anything. I hate to pick on Steve Harvey, but I'm going to a little bit because, you know, he's proclaimed himself to be a Christian. He still talks about cussing and he still talks about, you know, and he still proclaims things that are contrary to what Scripture would say. So I give everybody the benefit of the doubt that he's still learning and he's still trying to grow in that thing, but I also know He's just another dude from the hood from Cleveland like everybody else who was coming up. He knows what the difference is between right and wrong. So you have to understand that just because people say things, you also have to see a demonstrable change in demeanor and attitude and all that. So you know, just telling it like it is. I'm not, I'm not, if I'm not, oh, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. If you love Steve Harvey, because I love Steve Harvey too. I liked watching him on TV and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that your walk and your talk ultimately have to start matching somewhere. It's got to start happening somewhere. It's going to have to work its way in to your normal demeanor. You had your hand up. That's not biblical advice. Yeah. 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 And, it's, and understand something, it's not biblical because he's not biblically trained. He's, you understand? He's using more common sense based upon worldly views. It's worldly views. That's all it is. Well, of course. Now, I mean, listen, you, yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So... I'm only saying those things to be mindful, again, about our behaviors. Our behaviors. Our walk has to match our talk. Don't say you're a praying person when you're not a praying person. Be honest with yourself. If you're not taking the time to pray for people, then who are you fooling? You're not fooling me. It doesn't make any difference to me. You know who you are. You're fooling God. You're trying to trick him. You're trying to say that I'm this, you know, but he knows who you are. Be who you are, but be real about it. Be honest about it. We all have room for improvement. Amen? We acknowledge that because we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Amen? We're always a work in process. Be honest about that and keep going back to the Lord and asking him for help with these things. You had your hand up. I'm sorry. Amen. That's right. It's going to come out. Amen. 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 Now, this young lady here is approaching 100 years old and she's still saying she needs help with this stuff. Because that's true for all of us. As long as you're here, you still need to rely upon Jesus. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to have really, really good discussion, honest discussion about who we are how we need you, how we rely upon you, how we need help with so many different things. 
Lord, help us to be able to function at an optimal level within our spirit, our sphere of influence, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for these things and these teachings and these lessons. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for encouraging us because you come to us. You seek us out. You make yourself known to us. And we are very, very grateful for that. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next time.